Thank you, Beth. Thank you, uh, brave volunteers who came up. I almost raised my hand, but... Barrett's playing with his fire truck. Hey, buddy. (laughs) So how's y'all? Tired? Yeah, me too, a little bit. Uh, I'm working on my grandson's room, and I've been doing that for like six months. In my defense, I was ready to complete it all, but my daughter kept saying, well, today's not a good day. I'm too tired, so... But I got up there yesterday and just, it took me, for those who are, have worked in woodworking at all or built anything, it took me six hours to hang one door. Now, in my defense, I'm not that good at it. And number two, it was an angled door up. So I was, uh, that was my day yesterday. And now, now I'm sore. I, I feel like when you hit 50, it, it's so weird because all things start hurting that never did. It's almost like it knows when you're 50, things just start to deteriorate, so. Yeah, sometimes it happens when you're 30. But other than that, I'm good, and I'm glad to be here with you this morning, and I have a message for you. We're talking about Jesus 2020, and Winchester's doing the same series, and I think Pastor had lawn signs made that says Jesus 2020. Um, If you really want one, you can go get one. Um, I'm hesitant to get one of those, but if you want to get one, go for it. Although I would encourage you when you vote, and you all should be voting if you are of voting age, that you don't write in Jesus as a candidate, please. <laughs> While that may feel fun to do, uh, we actually need, you know, just, just vote. Just vote. You can write him in if you want. I'm just being silly. But today we're talking about and proclaiming Jesus in this church. We're going to talk about our Jesus. Last week, we talked about um, Moses and the serpent, and our verse was from John three fourteen through 17 from the New King James. It says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent into the wilderness, so, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believe in him should not perish. And I just read that twice. Sorry. You, you know the verse. John 3.16. That's kind of ingrained in everybody. We talked about that last week. And Jesus also said in John 10, verse 10, from the King James, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill. And to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. We're going to talk about that today. Jesus came to give us an abundant life. What does abundant mean to you? Plenty, a lot. Fulfilling is a good word. Overflowing. Acts 4.12 from the King James says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Basically, there is nothing else that can save you except the name of Jesus and Jesus. There's nothing. So today, in the spirit of the political um, 
climate we find ourselves in, and in our country, we have a big election coming up, we are going to start pushing our agenda for Jesus. We're, we're going to be his, um, what do you call it? Council. Political advisors. So we're, our, we're the political advisors for Jesus. Not that he needs our help. He probably would be thankful if we didn't help him out at all. But here we are. So here's our slogan. Jesus saves. Right? It's truth. Jesus saves. That's our agenda. And our platform for Jesus 2020, the campaign for Jesus 2020 is quite simple. And we get it from scripture, from Romans 10, verse 13, from the New Living Translation. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a pretty easy, I mean, you could bumper sticker that if we had to. Everyone who calls on the name of, everybody say everyone. Everyone. Now think of everyone that you know, not just the nice ones. Everyone means anybody, and that means the mean-spirited, the nasty-spirited, the ones you cannot stand, the one you just look at with just, ugh. Well, he can't mean that. Jesus can't really mean, no, them. There's got to be a dividing line somewhere. It also means the nice and sweet people that are easy to love and easy to, you know, see them and just you feel very happy with them. It means the person you don't like. It means the Democrat, the Republican, the Independent, the Libertarian that you don't like. I'm so glad nobody said amen to any of those things. (laughs) But the truth is that he's for everyone. And you can't get any more specific and you can't get any less vague than everyone because everyone is everyone. Now notice the next verse, Romans 10, 14. But how can they call on him to how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? Well, that's our job. As his political advisor, we have to go and we have to tell the world exactly who Jesus is and what he can do. That's our job. So here's the big question for us. When we tell people about Jesus, what do we say? I'm setting you up a little bit. What kind of Jesus are we campaigning for? One that saves. It's all powerful. Love. Truth. Cares for you. Those are all true and all good. Redeemer. I should have got a whiteboard. We could have whiteboarded this. Beth would have loved that. (laughs) Yeah, it's a meeting. Which Jesus are we all in for? And it sounds odd to ask that question because if you go to church or or if you've attended church at all, you know that everything that you all said is what you hear the most. That's who Jesus is. We know that's who Jesus is. But 
who, which Jesus are we all in for is critical because not everyone who claims to know and follow Jesus has the same answer. I'll just be honest with you. There are a lot of presentations of Jesus and discussions around him. It pretty much comes down to this, though, for us. We're either promoting the Jesus of the scripture or the Jesus we've created. And they couldn't be too, too far apart. I mean, they are just completely opposites. Mask. Which Jesus? Is it the one in scripture or the one that we've kind of modified the ingredients to over time? You know, we hear politics talked about a lot, obviously, and politics are very important, but at the same time, politics are just sometimes absurd and sometimes ridiculous, and sometimes we just want to roll our eyes and just shut the TV off or shut the radio off or just ignore it if we can, but it's in our face right now. It's, politics are wonky. Every candidate out there that we, that we look at, everyone in the political spectrum now, even in our local um, elections, they're all trying to, you know, sell themselves. They're selling themselves as the next savior. They have to. You're not going to elect somebody that says, I'm probably not going to do a good job, but, you know, I really want to have this. I really want to, I really want to be the president. I have no experience at all. I can't even manage my own calendar. But I just know if you vote for me, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Sadly, well, I've seen last year when we were going through the primaries, I've seen some candidates basically say that, and they lasted longer in the race than I would have imagined. But the whole goal for politics, right, is to sell yourself and, and to promote yourself and to get your name and everything about yourself into the public arena so they can make a decision. We hear things, and these are real things that we have heard so far from our presidential candidates. If you elect me, you'll never have to pay for education again. You, I, I'm going to take, take money from what I think is rich people and give it to all the poor people. Elect me and you'll have free health care for the rest of your life. And trust me, health care, we need health care. And I have no problem with, with having health care. But there's, there's a problem I have, and I'm just going to just sidetrack this a little bit. It, there, there's nothing free because <laughs> somebody's going to be paying the bill. So you're just misleading people. If you want to have a desire to provide health care for people free, that's fine. But there's got to be a plan behind it. Now I'm getting, all right, I'm going to step back. It just makes sense. I mean, you can't have something from nothing. Elect me and I guarantee COVID will be cured. Elect me and I, I will, I, you know, the numbers. Okay, I'm going to do this again. I'm sorry. And, I, and I'm not, I don't think I'm a political person. I really like to look at facts and, and, and just kind of understand but I, I have a problem with anybody that suggests that they could have done a better job managing this worldwide crisis. It's easy to quarterback. It's easy to be a, a Monday quarterback, right? Um, I give 
I give everybody the benefit of doubt in this because this is new. Um, you can argue the origins of this or the, or, the, or the mysteries behind this, but the virus is real. Like I said, our, you know, people have died from this, are still dying. But it's, I don't know, I wouldn't want to sit there and, and just say, you know what, if I was in office at that point, we would have nobody dead. That's just, but that's pandering, and that's what politicians do, right? They make it very pal palatable to, to people. And, I, you know, and, and it's like, yeah, he would have done great, so I'm going to vote for him. Or, and I'm not picking on any individual candidates. You know who I'm talking about. And, and I, you know, <laughs> we're not going to podcast this, all right, because I want to keep my job. I have no problem with the man or, or the men behind this. I think they, in their hearts, they think they're all doing the right thing, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just have a problem with, you know, just going back to, you know, I can do, I have done this better if I was there. That gets me to my point <laughs> in a very bad way that we try to, we try to pander to people and just say what they want to hear. We say what they want to hear. And, and, you know, if, if you elect me, you know, I'll, it's free ice cream every week. I'm going to send a shipment of ice cream to your house. Yeah, yeah, Roy's already on board. It's done. Check. Here we go. For the rest of my life, you're going to be president. If you elect <laughs> free donuts. Free donut. If that, that happens, I don't care what party, I might, I might uh, move over. And, and it's getting more possible now because I don't know if you know this, and I'm really going way off tangent here. But Amazon has made a milestone in, in having drone delivery. So we're getting close to just opening your door. There's a little drone there, and you just drops donuts in your hand, and you're done. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah, you won't, we won't have them here. This is, this is the southern part of Virginia. They'll get shot out of the sky if there's a drone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're coming. The other thing is that they'll tell you, and, you know, if you elect me, then all the glaciers are going to refreeze themselves. Global warming will be, will be will add a, polar bears are just going to bounce back, which they already have. Every, earthquakes, you know, no more earthquakes. Just, now I'm getting a little bit tongue-in-cheek here, but it's really borderline on just what they're saying. All of them. Trump does the same thing. And, and, you know, all these promises come out of their lips and all these things. It's just, it's exhausting to watch because you're like, there is no way that you're going to, but people buy into this. And that's, what's, that's what I'm trying to get to. People will listen to the good things and say, yeah, we got to do this and ignore everything else. They will listen to what the Bible says, whatever their itching ears want to hear. And the other thing politicians do, especially at the level that we're electing, is they try to hide all of their faults and, and they really want to magnify their talents. And, you know, and for some reason, you know, we feel in America that, you know, we've had to prop up Jesus and kind of help him out. Because, you know, you know the, the, the Jesus in the Bible is, you know, it's not going to really attract anybody. We got to we got to help him with his social skills and social media stuff. We got to tweak his message a little bit just to make it more palatable to everybody else because nobody wants to hear, you know, we'll get them 
And, and then, we'll go, then we'll backtrack and kind of explain some things. But if you want people, if you want numbers in your seats, man, you gotta, you got to make Jesus cool. you got to make it so it's like this is easy street. Is it any wonder that today so many know very little about the Jesus in the Bible? I mean, let's be honest. You've seen some of those. There are some... Preachers who like to preach the prosperity gospel, which there is prosperity in Christ. But when you focus on that and that's and you're trying to get people into and um, into your church, because if you come here, you know, look at everybody raising their hand saying, I I sent in a donation for twenty dollars and got a bottle of miracle water. And when I split, when I you know, threw it on my checkbook. The next day, there was $50,000 in there. Praise God. Can God do that? Yes. In that context? No. I don't believe it at all. But yet, that's what we've come to in some places, especially in the American church. It's almost like we have, we're trying to one-up each other and try to take Jesus and, and make him even more, you know, wow, this, this is the Jesus we worship here, so come, because look at all you get. We, we, we look at Jesus as just a slightly better version of ourselves. Jesus is just like us. Just, he's a lot better than we are. <laughs> so wrong. He's become one of us, you know, in, in some way, shape, or form. And in America, we portray Jesus as something hip and cool, or we try to. I was going to pull off the... the the pastoral ha- uh, haircuts that are going around now, you know, they, they, they like flop it over and look real cool, wear a jean jacket and torn jeans and stuff, just so I can look hip. So when you look at me, you're like, wow, look how hip he is, which is nothing you would ever say about me. Because I basically wear the same clothes every week. I'm just being honest. I could care less about what I wear. Michelle is responsible for clothing me. So if you want to see something uh, you know, different, just let her know. I just don't care about that. I have no style at all. My style is just bland, and I'm fine with that. I think Jesus would be bland, too. As a matter of fact, if he was here, he wouldn't stand out at all. He wouldn't. And here's the really neat thing about the new and improved Jesus here in America. His expectations of you and me are pretty low. He just loves us, and he just wants to make us happy, and we just want to be all the time smiling and just, ah, like a, like a warm blanket all the time. Just, I love this, and just giddy all the time and bubbly and all those things. That's, that's what Jesus means sometimes to people in this American version of Jesus. Just happy through life all the time. I'd love to be happy through life all the time. I don't think there's anybody that says they have been to date unless you're like one year old or two year old maybe. That's just not it. And, and Jesus does not guarantee that if you follow him, that you are going to be happy all of your life. But he does promise something even greater. And I'll get to that in a moment. It's all about the new Jesus is all about finding yourself, finding your true self. Be who you feel like being. If you want to be a boy today and a girl tomorrow, go for it. I said, if you want to be a boy today and a girl tomorrow, go for it. 
Isn't that why Jesus came to be beaten and crucified so we can have that freedom for ourselves? You can just be and do whatever you want. That's freedom. That's not the freedom Jesus came for, though. So break out of this, let's break out of the societal norms for church, societal norms for the church. Break down those religious strongholds because going to Sunday school and kids' church and youth group really has messed me up. You know, they, they, they just narrowed my mind to things. And I, when I got out of there, I explored the world. And what a crazy, crazy bunch of looney tunes at that church because they were teaching these things. <laughs> You're all that you need. You don't need anything else. That's the new and better Jesus, or so people think. Explore your wild passions. There are no limits, no boundaries, no expectations. There are no consequences. And there are not, nor will there ever be, any judgment from the American Jesus. Just go live your life in freedom. Be happy all the time. That's what Jesus died for. No. But Jesus loves everybody, yes. What's the one thing you do as a parent? that shows the most amount of love to your kids. You have to discipline them. My parents love me so much. Because <laughs> I deserved it. <laughs> Could you imagine raising a child um, and just whatever they did, you know, they threw a brick and hit you in the face. Oh, it's so good, thank you, that's so awesome. <laughs> right? And, or they're yelling and screaming at you when you're walking through Martins and throwing a fit. They want crackers or whatever the kids eat these days. and Probably not crackers. That's an old, that's an old man food. I have saltines in my cupboard. Something good, yeah, some cookies. And, and, you, and, and you try to say no, and then you realize, well, no doesn't work. They don't react well to that. I want them to love me, so I'm going to just let them have it. And they're going to be smiling, and then one day that's all going to backfire. Because that's not reality. Here comes bro Aaron. Everybody say hi to him. Hi, Aaron. Hey, Aaron. Hi. You see it, bud? <laughs> Love you, man. <laughs> so being a good parent and raising the right kids means discipline. It doesn't mean letting them do whatever they want to do. It might feel free and fun to them, but it's going to lead to their destruction early in life. Just go live it. That's not how it's going to work. So who is the Jesus of the Bible? He's our Savior. In Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1, there's this story about a, a small guy. So Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. Now, let me just explain what the chief tax collector... Nobody likes tax collectors, but this one was even more cruel because he was a Jewish person collecting taxes from the Jews on behalf of the Roman Empire, and that was just a slap in the face. And he was not well-liked. He was a chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. See, they got to take some off the top. That's why they were hated so much. 
He tried to get Jesus to look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed on a sycamore fig tree behind the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. I don't know how he knew him, although if he was a tax collector, everybody probably knew him. Plus, he was short, so he was probably easy to standing out. Well, not easy to standing out. If he was up a tree, it'd be easy. Yeah. Yeah. So he called him and said, Zacchaeus, Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. So Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus into his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased, the people, the religious lead leaders. They were displeased with what Jesus was doing because, and, and other people, other Jews at the time that kind of like were starting to get to know Jesus. But then when Jesus did this, they're like, what is he doing? Why does he want to go to this person's house? They said he has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and he said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord, and I have cheated people on their taxes. I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded this way. Salvation has come to this home today for the man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Let's flip back to the political side of Jesus in our campaign. We want to put Jesus in front of people that have money. We want to put Jesus and people in front so they can contribute to his campaign so he can win. This Jesus went to this tax collector. If we, would have, if we had Jesus and we put him with somebody that was notoriously bad, what do you think would happen to our campaign? Be gone. See, Jesus doesn't care about what men think. He cares about what he was sent there for and sent to do. And he was sent to save all. Remember what we said in the beginning. Even a tax collector. And look what happens when, God, when Jesus invited himself to his house and he opened the doors and had him come in. That person changed so much so that he gave half of everything he had and he went back to everybody he robbed and gave them four times the amount he took. Because Jesus is for everyone. He came to save. To save sozo is the Greek word. It means to save a suffering one, or to rescue from danger or destruction, to deliver from the penalties of coming judgment. He came to save us from ourselves. Left to ourselves, we don't naturally drift towards God or righteousness. I don't know if you've realized that. Without God, we would just fade to the other side. That's just our natural tendency. Adam didn't take him long to drift to God, even though God was literally physically walking with God in the garden. As soon as God was gone for a little bit and he got a little curious about a tree, he started walking the other way. It doesn't take much. Jesus came to save us from ourselves, the desires of carnality and rebellion. From the get-go... 
Genesis 6, 5, it says, The Lord observed the extent of humid wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. Matthew 9, 4 says, Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you have such evil thoughts in your heads? He was being confronted by some Pharisees, and they were, wanted to pin some stuff on him. You know, he's, it's, it's like being in front of the reporters when you're running for, for something and, you know, Jesus is there and, and reporters come up to him and say, what about this? What about that? Why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Matthew 15, 19, I'm going to wrap this up. From the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. Jesus knows that left to ourself, ourselves, we will lead ourselves to destruction. So what gets in the way? It's simple, our sin. Nobody likes to talk about that. And if Jesus was running as a candidate and he came to us, his political advisors, and said, I want to talk about sin. No, 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 no. No, we know you don't like sin, Jesus, but that's not going to get you know, any votes at all. If you want some votes, you got to talk about grace and you got to talk about blessings and you got to talk about all things. And I, I think sometimes the church focuses more on those things than truth. And the truth is sin separates us. That's what destroys us. Sin is the destroyer of intimacy with God. Sin is all about self-serving and self-gratifying and self-determination. Self, self, self. I don't know if you feel that pattern. Sin is saying and actively exhibiting that we know better than God. When you sin, I, I, I had to think this through. This was Pastor Waller's note. I had to think this through, but when you sin, you are basically saying, God, I know better than you. I know you told me not to do this, but everybody's doing it. It's not going to hurt me. I know, you're, you're good at stuff, God, but I got this one. Sin separates us from God. It isn't just a fluke or a flaw or a defect. Sin is rebellion. It's arrogant behavior and character that flaunts itself in the face of God. That's what sin is. 1 John 3, 4. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law. And all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins and that there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who our children of God are and who are not. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers simply does not belong to God. That's kind of hard to hear because I don't know about you, but I've sinned. Probably the only one in this church that does. What do I do? Make excuses? 
or bow down and repent and say, God, I messed up again. I think when you start to accept sin as normal to make yourself feel better right now is when you get in trouble. If, if you call sin for what it is, you have to admit to yourself that I made a mistake. Some of us don't like to do that. Some of us like to think we are perfect, but we are not. The bottom line is we are spiritual beings. You're not the body that's on display. You're a spirit that lives in a body and to be fully aware and fully alive and truly fulfilled, that only happens when we connect to God. When our spirit connects with the living God, only then can we walk in harmony. You become fully alive in every area and aspect of your life when you come to walk with Jesus. He is the only hope for our world gone mad. So the bottom line is this. When we present who Jesus actually is, when we present who Jesus actually is to our pollsters as his, what do we call ourselves? Political advisors. When we present the actual Jesus, he will lose every election every time. You could, you could, you could have Mickey Mouse run against them and he would lose because it's just not what people want to hear or do. It takes courage, it takes strength to be a Christian, to be a Christ follower. It's not an easy road. In fact, Jesus says this, if anyone is going to follow me, he must deny himself. Deny yourself. That's hard to do. I can't even do that with a donut sometimes. Shouldn't have that donut. I'll walk a couple extra steps. In a world where everything revolves around self, protect yourself, promote yourself, preserve yourself, everything is about you, Jesus says, no, deny yourself. Is it possible to profess to be a Christian and yet not know Christ? Absolutely. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this to his disciples. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Jesus also goes on to say the way to heaven is narrow and many, many, many will not make it. And that's it. What path do we choose? What Jesus do we follow? I want to follow the one that goes through the narrow opening. What does that mean? I have to deny myself. Yeah, but... The law says I can do this. Which law? There's only one law that matters. But there's freedom. I want to just want to be free. I want to express myself. I want to do this. I want to have the freedom to do that. You have that freedom. It's just going to lead you to death. 
there is only one way. Jesus is the way. And it's a difficult way because we have to deny ourselves and we're not used to doing that. It's very difficult to deny yourself. I'll end it there. I ran over a little bit. That's okay. Still like me, right? Mm-hmm. Four or five of you do. That's, that's fair. I, I, I wrote down the number three. That's how much I expected. But seriously, in a world gone wonky, we have a Savior that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If we follow him, we will go through the narrow gate. And that's the key. We have to follow him. We have to do the things that may be uncomfortable or we have to give up some things or change how we feel about a certain situation because it doesn't line up with God. See, we can't do both. We can't. You can't split your body in half and have half of you go through the gate. It's all or nothing. That's just where we are. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you this morning, Lord, that we serve a God who loves us so much. Not only did you send your son, Father, but you found a way to resolve us of our sin. We have all fallen short. We all will fall short, Father. But when we call on the name of Jesus, when we follow his lead, when we deny ourselves, Father, you save us. Father, we're, we're so tempted, especially in this country, to just to do so many different things. We're, we have the word freedom just plastered everywhere, and sometimes we get confused and think that we're free from your law, but we are not. But you say, Father, when we follow you and follow your son, that you will give us a more abundant life, and that's so contrary to what we picture in our mind, because in our mind, we think that pure freedom is abundance, but it, it leads to death. We want to follow you. Father, we commit to following you, your son, so that we may live a life of abundance, knowing that there will be suffering and pain. We will be ridiculed, Father. But eternal life with you is worth every second of pain here on earth. We also know you bring joy. You brought joy to Paul when he was imprisoned, writing letters to us that were so encouraging, but yet he was sitting in a dark, damp prison. And you gave him that amount of joy in those moments. Father, we know that you can do that for us. And I pray for those who are struggling today who are having a hard time just dealing with everything that's going on around us. Father, I pray that as they pray to you, that you just flood them with joy that just seems to come out of nowhere. Father, I just thank you again for all that you're doing here, all that you're doing in our, in our individual homes and in our families. Father, we give you all the glory for who you are. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you all for coming. And you do not have to dismiss orderly. So you can hang out and talk or you can just head out. God bless.